0: Amen. Would you turn with me to First Peter 2? I'm going to read from 1 to 10. Just a moment. If you haven't got your Bible with you, can I encourage you to bring it next week? I love seeing people with paper Bibles. Bible apps are really good, um, but they, I just think there's nothing like, especially the smell of it paper bible. I want to talk this morning about uh, small groups great purpose, small groups great purpose. Our first part was last week which is about becoming who we're becoming, who are you becoming and who are you becoming on the journey to where you're going and so this morning we're going to be looking at the second part of that that's belonging, belonging. If you weren't here last week or if you couldn't listen to the message for any reason can I encourage you to listen back to the podcast or on our, on our website or via android or apple podcasting app. It's free to listen to and I encourage you to, to go back through that. And I want to talk this morning not so much on um, nothing really deep theologically. I just want to talk from the heart, really. I really feel this morning, I, I really feel that it's important to think and to talk about belonging, about who, where I belong, where you should belong on earth and in heaven. In this series, we're talking and focusing on what God can do with small groups of people. and I want to kind of press into that a little bit. Last week, we looked at uh, who a group of people, a group of ordinary, unskilled, completely run-of-the-mill men became. You you can read about them in Luke 5, where Jesus bestowed upon these people an earthly purpose and a heavenly destiny. And look who they became. The reason we are here this morning is because of the obedience of people who've gone before us like then. I look back at my parents, and I think they were obedient to God, and that rubbed off on me in so many ways. And I would wager that you're here this morning because of someone's obedience, something that someone or a number of people sowed into you. And at the end of this series, I hope you can see that uh, it's really, really amazing to be part of a small group but the small groups really can change the world. See, before there's ever a crowd, there's always a small group of people that sees the crowd there. What we'd love to encourage you to do is we get, we're having a real drive this year to encourage people to join life groups. In this church, I really believe that life groups, thank you, John, are um, a really important part of not just the church moving forward as a whole, but individuals moving forward as a whole. See, the reality is, if all of us are healthy spiritually, then we'll have a a healthy church. That's just common sense, isn't it? And Sunday the 1st of March will be giving you an opportunity, if you're not already in one, to sign up to join uh, either an existing or a brand new uh, line. In this so much, we're creating a couple of new groups. They're a great opportunity to build up friendships, to move on in your faith, and not just connect to God, not just grow in God, but thrive in everything that God has for you. This year, we want people to discover who God created them to be. I want you to discover, I want me to discover who God has created us to be. So last week, we looked at who we're becoming. This week, we're looking at belonging. Belonging is so important, and belonging really just means, one definition of it is a close or an intimate relationship or relationships. If you think about different relationships and different friendships and associations you can have, belonging is such an important thing, and it's maybe something that we take for granted, but I think the need to belong, the need to feel like you belong in the places, particularly in the places that you connect into and the relationships that you have, is absolutely vital. Words that mean similar stuff to belong, to belong or belonging are closeness, familiarity, nearness, intimacy, inseparability. And this one I really loved. Chumminess. Chumminess. I want to be good chum. You don't hear that phrase much these days. I want to be good chums with all of you and with all the people that I, I know and love in the world. I don't just want to know people. I don't just want to lose association. I want to feel like I belong. And those words there about belonging, closeness, familiarity, nearness, intimacy, inseparability, chumminess, I don't see anything negative in there. They're all good things. Good things. Good things. The reality is, one of the sad things is that loneliness is so common in our world. Feeling alone, feeling separated feeling like I'm just doing stuff on my own. One of the reasons that we do so much of what we do as church is to build relationships and not so much to combat loneliness, but just to to not think about the negative, but think there's a much better positive in mind. If you have relationships, if you belong, then you won't feel lonely. You won't feel lonely. But loneliness is even considered to be as bad as cancer and other serious diseases. When people are truly lonely... When you feel like it's just you in the world, it's an absolute killer. And it's something that we need to combat by not only seeking to belong ourselves and pushing into that and making sure that we do everything we can to belong in the places that we have some kind of... What's the word? Uh, Some kind of authority or some kind of familiarity. It's not often I'm lost for words, but I was truly stuck there. Even in a crowd of people, you can have really loneliness, real loneliness. Have you ever been in a crowd of people and felt like, I feel like I'm all alone here? I've, I've been to places like, um, I, I actually quite like it now, I quite like my own company, but when I was younger, I used to feel really insecure in my own company. If I went somewhere, like say if I went to a football match or a sports event or a concert or something like that, if I went on my own, I, I could be with thousands of people and yet it was as if I was in a room all by myself. Why? Well, because I didn't have any real relationships. See, we were all there for a common reason, but I didn't truly know anyone. Even in a crowd of people, we can feel like we don't belong. But I don't want that to be the case here. I want everyone here, new, old, old, young, to feel like they belong. But there's a responsibility on all of us to do something about that, to press into that. And um, I'll give you a few tips in just a few moments god knows that we need to belong he's made us to be people who plug into something bigger than just who i am just who i am in this body i'm it's more we're great we should be greater than the sum of our parts we should be greater than just me greater than just you when we're together you can achieve so much more and the love and trust and honoring and friendship that you can find when you seek to belong can be life-changing absolutely life-changing proverbs eighteen twenty-four tells us this i love the new living translation version it says there are friends note the inverted commas there are friends who destroy each other but a real friend sticks closer than a brother makes me feel quite emotional because I don't get to see my brother m- much because he lives in Frankfurt. But I'm going to see him tomorrow, which I'm excited to. So c- please don't text me over the next few days. Let me have a break. I'm joking. No one no one in here really does that. Um, and, and I have... There's nothing quite like him. And as we've got older, I've found that we love one another and understand one another far better than we used to when we used to fight. Some of the stuff we used to do to one another. My, I seriously, how we are both still alive or manage to um, (laughs) prevent one another having a serious injury at the hands of the other is an absolute miracle. But, you know, we love one another. So exciting. But I have friends in my life who stick as close, if not closer. People who really invest into me. And I hope you do as well. Do you know, I was thinking in the week, actually I thought on Friday when I was reading this, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. One of the things you see in the Old Testament is you see these foreshadowings of Jesus all the way through. You see pictures of Jesus all the way through. You can look at Noah and you can see that Noah saved people, Jesus saved people. You can look at so many other characters throughout the Old Testament and see well, Jonah, we're going to be talking about Jonah in a few weeks' time. We're going to be doing a three week series on Jonah. Jonah went. Jesus went. There were so many pictures of Jesus, and I thought, do you know, this isn't as an o- obvious a one, but there really is a friend called Jesus. Jesus wants to be your friend this morning. There, is, there are various ways in which, of stages of intimacy with which we can walk with God, but one of the, mo- one of the closest is when you are his friend, because Jesus says, a friend knows his master's business. And I really believe that Jesus wants to stick really close to you this morning, but we have to pursue him. We have to get to know him. We have to seek him. He is there waiting to be found. This is why a real friend sticks closer than the brother. This is why, friends, God created church. This is why Jesus said, You need to meet together. This is why Jesus said, you're not supposed to just be a Christian by yourself. I I couldn't, I wouldn't even want to try and attempt to try and be a Christian by myself. I would probably fail within about the first hour if I didn't have people. I I look back at this week, right, and I just see, I've got, there's, there's one friend in particular who comes straight to my mind, and he's encouraged me beyond all recognition this week. And, but that's only come, we only belong to one another as friends, because we've both pursued a friendship. Some things don't work, or don't work in the way you hope they will. But I've pursued that friendship, he's pursued it as well. That's kind of a, that's a great picture of what I'm talking about here. We want you to belong, God wants you to belong. I believe even if you look at the Godhead, you see relationship, Father, Son, Spirit. It's not just It's God three in one, but it's not just one God, is it? (laughs) Sorry, no, I'm getting myself down a hole here. Theological hole. It's not just God. It is just God, but it's not just God. It's God in three persons. It's not just Father, but it's also Father and Son. It's not just Father and Son. It's Father, Son, and Spirit. Have you ever seen something called the Shield of the Trinity? Why don't you go go and Google image that? It's brilliant. It'll help you understand how the Father, Son, I should have put a picture of, of it on here maybe we can do that for the second service, it it shows you how the Father and the Son and the Spirit relate to one another, what each are, what each are not. But there's just relationship in there, isn't there? Father, Son, Spirit. Jesus was obedient to the will of his Father by coming to earth, by becoming a sin offering. He who had no sin became sin for us. That's relationship. He wouldn't have done it if there wasn't relationship there. Think about it. Why why would you do something for someone unless there is some kind of relationship there? Even if it's just a boss who says, I want you to do this task now. Well, it might not be great, but there's some kind of relationship in there, isn't there? Some kind of relationship in there. It's really amazing that psychologists have discovered what God has already put into our DNA, what is already put into our soul, our human soul. I read this in in the week that a psychologist wrote. They said, having a sense of belonging is a common experience. That means it's something for all of us. Belonging means acceptance as a member or part. Such a simple word for a huge concept. A sense of belonging is a human need, just like the need for food or shelter. Feeling that you belong is most important in seeing value in life and in coping with intensely painful emotions. Some find, this is great, isn't it? Some find belonging in a, in a church. This is the first thing that they said. Some with friends, some with family, and some on Twitter or other social media. Seek some belonging, sorry, some seek belonging through excluding others. That reflects the idea that there must be those who don't belong in order for there to be those who do. Yet a single instance of being excluded can undermine self-control and well-being and often creates pain and conflict. A sense of belonging to a greater community... This is what I'm getting at here. And it's even greater than this, but these are some of the benefits. A sense of belonging to a greater community improves your motivation, your health, and your happiness. When you see your connection to others... You know that all people struggle and have difficult times. You are not alone. There is comfort in that knowledge. Further on in this psychology article that I read, and if a psychologist says it, and I think they're they're understanding something sensible here, but the writer reminds us that a sense of belonging doesn't just happen. It requires time. It requires patience. It requires cultivation. Think about a garden. It doesn't just spring into life out of nowhere. It takes time. It takes tender, loving care. It takes effort. It takes patience. I think real relationships take authenticity. They take, us, they take a moment where someone has to step out and say, I'm really struggling with this, or actually this is a problem in my life. Can you help me with it? Can you pray with me? Can we maybe be accountable to one another so that you can help me in not tripping up? Finding a sense of belonging in church means slightly different things to different people. Some people choose to jump in with both feet. Other people kind of paddle around the edges for a little while, Paddle paddle around the shallows before coming in deeper. Some never really throw themselves into it in the way in which they could. It means different things different people but for all it must show that we not only find ourselves as parts individual parts of a greater whole but that we find peace find comfort find joy find strength in belonging it's important to remember that belonging should never be used as a weapon so if you read the bible you will see that the pharisees often used belonging Thought of belonging as a real weapon to try to exclude people, to try to make themselves feel more superior, to make themselves feel better. They tried to say to people, You will only belong if you do these things. But you know what, friends? The wonderful truth of Jesus is He says, You can belong just because of who you are. He doesn't say, You have to do all these things and then you can belong. He says, You already belong. Now become the person I've created you to be. That's what He says. And The Bible can help us to understand the importance of belonging, why we should belong, how we should belong. There's so many different passages you could maybe turn to and tease out what's actually in there, what we can learn. But I'm going to just read from First Peter 2, 1 to 10. And I think this gives us some great bits of advice about belonging. Some great truth about what it is to belong. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Can I just stop there? It doesn't say rid everybody else. It doesn't say go and point out everyone else's sin. It says start with yourself and say, I'm going to deal with myself because I only need to have control over myself. Get rid of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. We're great in church sometimes at pointing out other people's flaws. How about when we start to look at our own flaws, it will give us a little bit more patience with other people. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation, that you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, that's Jesus, rejected by, by humans but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe... This stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, and this is you and me, all of us, but you are a chosen people. You might not feel like it this morning, friends, but you are a chosen person. absolutely on, bang on top form this morning when I got here this morning I was saying to to John oh do you know I just feel so tired this morning I don't really feel like a chosen person right now maybe by about 10 o'clock which we're nearly at maybe I'll feel like a chosen person by then or God's special possession but right now I don't feel great but do you know the great things is our feelings can often change but our truth the, the truth of God never does and this gives us this piece of scripture gives us a brilliant picture and the truth of who the church are but some essential wisdom as to how we, I believe, can truly belong and what we need to do to make it happen. You may look at church or you may look at elsewhere and you may think to yourself, you okay? You may look at yourself and think, I I don't really feel like I belong. Well, can I encourage you to take a step? Can I encourage you to take a step? Quite a lot of years ago, I, um, I think on a, a Sunday afternoon or some, one day of the week, anyway, I went to Kelly and at uh, my wife and I just said, I, I'm just, this was quite a long time ago, bear in mind. I said, I'm just, I, I feel like I don't know anyone in church. I just, I, I feel like every, I said, Kelly, whenever I go, on the very rare occasions, if you were away or you were sick, people come to me and they say oh where's kelly how's kelly i said this is i feel like it's like this all the time i feel like no one's really bothered about me i feel like i'm pretty invisible i feel like there's there's no real point in being there i never actually stopped going because i never i knew that wouldn't wasn't right that wasn't solve it and do you know what she said to me ever the encourager and challenger And she said can i ask you a question that she you know what jesus often did if you'll know this if you read the gospels very often when jesus was um, ans- asked a question, he'd respond with a question rather than giving an answer. It was like when, um, when the rich young ruler comes to him and says, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, why do you call me good? There is no one good except God. So she did this. She asked me a question. And she said, James, can I ask you an honest question? Be honest. Bearing in mind she probably knew the answer. She said, when was the last time you actually... Spent some time thinking about anybody other than yourself and how you feel. And actually try to pursue a relationship with someone else. And I'm the kind of person, I'm working on this, right, but I'm the kind of person who would have got pretty defensive at that moment and said, how dare you say that? Blah. You know, I, uh, you know. I, I've been in this church since the very first weekend we were ever there 23 years ago. But do you know what I said, do you know what you're right? Seriously, I wouldn't normally say something like that. I said, You're right. So I've been really lazy. People maybe think I don't care. Do you know what the second I decided I was gonna whoever it was, whether there were people I would automatically normally connect with or not, or whether I already knew them or not, as soon as I said, All right, well I'm gonna try, at least just say hi to more people, things began to change. And they've, they've been different ever since Ever since that very next weekend. I went in and I decided I was going to make a change and I didn't look, look at other people and say, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do the other. I said, maybe I just need to make a change. If we all did that, things would change and we would really begin to belong. This piece of scripture, first piece, two, 1 Peter 2, 1-10, gives us, I think, some really good truth about how we can belong because God wants us to belong. Firstly, verse 1, live in line with your new... Identity, the the identity God has given you. It says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. British citizens are expected the world round to act like British citizens. Citizens of Canada, Canadians are expected to act Canadian. People from, I don't know, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, they are expected to work, to, to be good representatives of the nation where they hold their citizenship. Friends are real, true citizenship, the thing that binds us all together, no matter where we're from. In an earthly sense, the thing that really binds us together is, if you're a Christian, your citizenship is in heaven. Therefore, we need to act like one. We need to act exactly as a citizen of heaven should act. And it says, because of the, the identity I've given you, you need To get rid of these things because they're not in keeping of who you now are. Jesus paid for sin at the cross. It must be taken there. And as soon as we do, as soon as we transfer from death to life and become a believer, follower of Jesus, you will find that things begin to change because he's given you a new identity. He says, You're not the tail, you're the head. He says, you're not below, you're you're on top. He says, you're my chosen special possession. I love you. He went to the cross for you. Ephesians 2, 19-22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief Cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Second thing that can help us really belong, verses two to three, build yourself strong. Build yourself strong. I go to the gym on a semi-regular basis and you see guys, men and women in there, Lifting weights, but it's not just a question of lifting the weights, it's also making sure your diet is right. Give yourself a diet of God's word, it will build you strong. It says in verses two to three like newborn babies, pure spiritual milk, so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Spiritual growth if you want to think about what spiritual growth is. Spiritual growth is often something that you can notice, not so much because of what it is, but the effects it has. And spiritual growth is always marked with a craving for the knowledge of God, including a craving for Scripture. Terry Virgo once said, whenever you go on holiday, remember to pack your Bible, he said, don't ever take a holiday from God's Word because ultimately it's the source of life you think why would you you don't take a a holiday from eating and drinking do you apart from when you fast (laughs) and that's not that's no holiday is it that can be tough sometimes don't take a holiday from it build yourself up in it he is life's source he has eliminated sin so pursue God and delight in him as I said last week treasure him thirdly approach God as he is this is how we can belong approach God as he is Verse 4 says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, etc., etc. The word for come to him, approach God, isn't so much a go and then leave. The word actually means remain, go to him. Like, imagine Jesus is sat there Go and sit at his feet and sit on his lap and stay there. That word remain immediately makes me think of John 15 where Jesus remain in me. He says, don't attach yourself to me and then separate yourself. Remain in me. Come to me. Sit at his feet. If Jesus is the living stone and we are living stones, we need to grow up into that identity. We need to grow up into that person he's called us to be. This piece of scripture says some people rejected Jesus. We need to embrace him. We need to embrace him. Piece of truth number four about how we can truly belong. Verse five, make sure you are material worth building with. Make sure you are material worth building with. You will see here, I don't want to labour this point because I could talk about this all day, but (laughs) Jesus, God, is building a house and he is not using bricks or stone or breeze blocks. He is using you and me to build it. You ever thought about that? He's using you to make sure you are material worth building with. Make sure you're material worth building building with god is building a house and he's using you and i as the materials you need to be someone god can use you need to honor him and praise him all you do you need to do good share resources with people i don't like mean christians i don't like christians who are mean with their time and mean with their money i think it's just complete i say i don't like that sounds harsh i don't like the fact that they're mean I just think it's totally out of keeping with who Jesus is. He's not calling you to be reckless. He's calling you to be generous with what you have. Calling you to be generous. Bringing people to Jesus, that is another way we can begin to belong, build up relationships with people. I really love going to the, if we can just jump back one um, one. Slide, there we go. Um, I really love going to places like Cumbria and Derbyshire, and I love I don't know why you probably think I'm really sad, but there's a point here. I really love when you see dry stone walls. You know, dry stone wall, this is a dry stone wall. What do you notice about the dry stone wall that's different to probably all other walls? Doesn't have cement, and you I, I find it astonishing that you look at... Just look. Can you see how... There's a reason I've got a picture of people behind it as well, because that's part of the point I'm trying to make. God is building a house, and he's using you as the materials. Can you see how how weird all of those bits of stone are? How different they all are? Some are big, some are small. have got different edges. Some have got almost like lumps and bumps. And yet, look at how they fit all fit together. And look, they don't even need to be cemented together. Because with... A dry stone wall, the fact, it's the weight and it's the craft with which it's put together that makes it stay together, that makes it withstand Storm Dennis. <laughs> you can guarantee that's going to stay together. Do you know what, friends? We don't need cement. We have got Jesus to bring us together. We are like that. Make sure you're material worth building with. And if you say to him, Lord, I, I will fit in however you want me to fit in, I guarantee you'll fit in somewhere. You will be material worth building with. And number five, it says in verses nine to ten, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So live like the son and daughter that Jesus has paid the price for. Friends, don't try and be a person of the light who tries to actually go and live back in the very darkness that Jesus called you out of. That is completely out of keeping with who we are when Christians try and go and live back in the darkness. Jesus says in Psalm 95, verse 7, it's one of my favorite bits of scripture, it's <laughs> Jesus says this about us today, he says, we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. We are the people of God, the flock under his care. So learn to live like it. You don't need to be defined by this, but ultimately there's a responsibility of us, on us, as to how we live You see, Jesus bought us at a price. It cost Jesus his life. Friends, make sure you're good value for money. Make sure you're good value for his life. When we reflect, we can see that Jesus is calling us all to be a part of it. And he's fitting us together. But we have to take a step. We need to make ourselves available. We need to be like those pieces of the dry stone wall. See, there's not much point in all the bits by themselves, but when you just gradually begin to fit them together, you see something that can withstand the wind of the enemy, something that can stand strong, can stand tall, can divide between death and life. We need to be malleable. I'm going to finish in just a moment. In just a moment, I want to kind of leave you with a video and then a thought that I hope will encourage you to think about how you can really belong in the context of a small group of people. A small group of people who choose to live life together. But I just want to kind of leave you with this thought. Because the world is full of unexpected meetings, seemingly chance friendships. What I'd call unexpected Friendships. Do you have an unexpected or an unlikely friendship in your life? I do. I do. My best friend in the whole world, he's not a Christian, but I'm getting him there. <laughs> he will, but he's not yet a Christian. He will be there. He spent, I met him when I was 11 years old. We've stuck together since then. And do you know, the first six months I knew one another, all he used to say to me. No, actually, it's more than that. It's a wonder we became friends. Every time I opened my mouth, he'd look at me and say, you're just so weird. I think he was probably right. I got a Christmas card from him that Christmas in 1995, given my age away, saying, hi, dear James, happy Christmas. You're weird times 10 billion. (laughs) All right? That's enough, more than enough for one every day. But we became great friends, and we're still mates today all these years. On, If you look at books... Stories like Winnie the Pooh of Mice and Men. Jo- You'll see George and Lenny in there, who are totally different on totally different intellectual planes, and yet somehow something brings them together. Sophie and the BFG. How did that friendship happen? The Jungle Book is one of my favorites. The boy Mowgli, who, ha- th- think about it, those animals, a lot of them would have seen him as their dinner. I would not go and, you know, send myself out into into wild Africa where I've been there. And I was like, you know, if I was in here all by myself, I wouldn't last a minute. Something will come and get you. And yet look at this wonderful, unlikely friendship that Rudyard Kipling came up with. And if you read the book of 1 Samuel, you will see a brilliant story of an unexpected friendship between two men called Jonathan and David. Jonathan's the son of the evil King Saul. And David is a poor shepherd boy who's chosen by God. In fact, they were both chosen by God for different things. D- David started as a poor shepherd boy but ended up becoming king, ending up, ended up writing many of our psalms. You see, relationship is the precursor to belonging. If you build relationships and build them right, then you'll belong. We often think that friends must have things in common to be close. Sometimes like-minded Christians don't venture far away from church or fellow Christians to form friendships. But Jonathan was that friend of David, an unlikely friend. And they became mutual covenant friends who always had each other's backs, even when their family members were against them. Read the story and you will see that Jonathan's father tried to kill David. And yet Jonathan was the one... Who helped protect him? How did this friendship form? It can only be God who did that. There are so many other unexpected friendships in scripture. Moses and Aaron, Elijah and Elisha, Naomi and Ruth, to name three. There are stories of unexpected friendships in this church. I know people in here. There are many of you. I, I look and I think, not being weird or anything, but how else will we know one another? It's like Jesus has brought us together. Jesus has brought us together. I think, how else would we even met one another? You'd pass them on the street, maybe, if you were were lucky. Unexpected friendships can have great... Here are six benefits. Here are six benefits. Experiencing things outside your comfort zone. Learning to see how others differ from you. Chance to apply the true meaning of love your neighbours. It says in Mark 12:31, sharing ideas, other perspectives, and conversations that you might otherwise never have. Knowing that someone has your back, so important. Friends protect one another's back. By the way, if you ever noticed, if you read Ephesians 6, you will read the um, about the spiritual armour: the sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, everything like that. Shoes of peace you notice there's no armor for your back i believe that's because friends need to have one another's backs yeah finally unexpected friendships give us the chance to give and receive kindness not due to an agenda but simply be someone's friend we shouldn't have agendas in our friendships we should just want one another for one another's sake friends can i ask you who could be your unexpected friendship? Who could be your unexpected friend? You might have some, but could there be another one? Could there be a real special friend out there for you? Because if you were to commit yourself to a small group of people, to a life group, or if you're already in one, recommit yourself to them, who could be your next unexpected friendship in there? Would the band like to come back? Who could be your unexpected friendship? One of my friends um, a couple of years ago, as I as we began to unexpectedly press into a friendship that we developed, he shared one or two things with me that were deeply personal, deeply difficult for him. Stuff that could have put so much so many things in his life, if they gotten worse, they could have put him in jeopardy. And yet, do you know what? I looked at that guy and I just said you've been vulnerable, you've dared to step out, you've dared to tell me something that's actually, it's not great, but it's okay, because G- you've got Jesus, and he's forgiving you, he's working in this. But do you know what I said to him? I said, do you know what, my friend, I think more of you having told me that than I did before. We always worry, don't we, that if we tell people stuff that's yeah, it might be true, but it's we bring the bad stuff, the dark stuff into the light. We often think people will think less of us for it. But, you know, one of the ways we can develop great friendships and really belong is just to be the first to step out and say, can I share this thing with you? I really struggle with this. Can you help me? Can you pray with me? Can you maybe, can I be accountable to you? Can I come and tell you if I trip up or can I let you know how I'm doing? Not to... weird or anything or heavy-handed but just to help you and as i finish i just want to encourage you to think about what i think is the greatest unexpected friendship that that led to the greatest belonging ever that the world has ever and will ever known it's that moment (laughs) that jesus came to earth to be our friend to be our brother to be our savior see jesus was the king of kings the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega. He was mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Lord of all. And he just came and became a, a sinner offering. He was nailed to a cross for us. It came to be our friend. He, that is the greatest, most unexpected friendship ever. Could you imagine just suddenly forming a friendship, just out of nowhere, with Queen Elizabeth <coughs> II? It's, how, how on earth is it going to happen? Think of that, but on a far, far, far greater level. How unlikely is it that Jesus, the Lord of all, might want to be our friend? And yet he did. And yet he did. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He came to die for us so that we wouldn't be condemned. He simply said, Go and sin no more go and sin no more I wonder if just as we go back into worship if rather than going back into worship immediately if we can just take 30 seconds and we can think we can challenge ourselves and ask ourselves how can I belong because it's easy for us to come to church and think yeah that's really good and then we go away but can I encourage you today to make a resolution in your own heart even if it's just one simple thing and say I am going to do this to help myself belong even if it's just recommitting your life to Jesus. Father, I pray for these people and I pray you will help every single one of us to belong even greater measure. In Jesus' name, amen.